0: You're listening to Discover Hope with Pastor Tom Leake of Hope Bible Church in Columbia, Maryland.
1: Even our body position tells us whether or not we're earnest about our requests or not. Hannah prayed with great need when she pleaded for a son before God and said she'd give him back to the Lord. She got what she asked. I mentioned Jacob who wrestled with God all night. He got his blessing. Paul said he interceded day and night for the churches. I doubt he did that casually. Sometimes our prayers lack heat. They have no heartbeat in them. They're flat-lined prayers, you know, they're gone. They're not even dead on arrival in heaven. They're dead on departure from here.
0: Do your prayers lack heat? Do you pray with earnestness, expectancy and faith? In today's message, Pastor Tom teaches about the time the Old Testament prophet Elijah prayed for rain for lands that had been in drought for three and a half years. He prayed with great passion, fully expecting God to answer. We are called to do the same. Elijah wasn't unique or specially chosen to have his prayer answered. You have the exact same powerful weapon that Elijah used, prayer. It's time to wield it. Now, here's Pastor Tom in the book of James chapter 5 with today's edition of Discover Hope.
1: So, Elijah appears in Israel's history at one of its darkest moments. We have very little information about his background that's given. He just suddenly appears on the scene. And we see that his life and his prayer and his purpose are all dedicated to the will of Yahweh in Israel. What to do specifically, end idolatry. This was a country that was formed by Yahweh, brought out of Egypt, out of slavery, and given the Ten Commandments and told this is their promised land and that they would lose their promised land if they went after other gods. And here they were going after other gods. And Elijah appears out of nowhere to correct the whole nation, the whole northern ten tribes. He's there to correct them. He's there to turn their hearts back to the true God. He's not tolerant of false gods. He's not pluralistic. The other gods have to go. You have to stop worshiping them. You have to put it away from your country and you have to worship the one true and living God. That's what his message was. And the first thing we ever see him do in verse one is just give that prophetic pronouncement, probably in the palace in Samaria. It's not stated here, but that pronouncement came with a prayer. To God. There will be no dew or rain these years. Later it would say three years. James says it was three and a half years, so that probably includes the six months of the non-rainy season leading up to that pronouncement. They have a dry season and a rainy season, you got six months. So it's probably picking up a six months where there's not been rain. And now he's saying for the next three years, the rainy season is not gonna come. Why did Elijah have such boldness to ask God so specifically? To do something which is nuts, really, if you think about it, walk outside and say, it's not going to rain, how are you going to stop the rain from coming, you know? Elijah knew the law of God, he read the law of Moses, and in the law of Moses, it said a number of times, I'll read one of them to you, Deuteronomy 11, verses 16 and following, in the law it says, beware that your hearts are not Deceived and that you do not turn away and serve other gods and worship them, or the anger of the Lord will be kindled against you, and he will shut up the heavens so that there will be no rain, and the ground will not yield its fruit, and you will perish quickly from the good land which the Lord is giving you. It says it right there in the law. Elijah read the will of God and the law of God, and then he made his prayer life fit with that, and he said, this is what's going to happen, because he could tell the whole nation was going after other gods. Wow. By the way, Elijah added there, be not even dew, not even dew in the morning. The dry season in Israel at least had dew. The winds would blow in off of the Mediterranean and they'd get some of that. Not this time. This time it was going to be so severe for Israel. And Baal or Baal in Hebrew, the false god that they had been turning to, he was supposedly the god of the weather. And he's going to be helpless to stop this. That was also his point. So that is his prayer for it not to rain, or at least he had had the prayer and then it came to you. Now, in verse 18 of James 5, he said, then Elijah prayed again and the sky poured rain and the earth produced its fruit. First of all, we stand back and we say, the Lord is merciful even when people sin, even when people abandon God, even when they're unfaithful to God, he's still willing to receive them back if they repent. And so every time God had a judgment on the nation of Israel, there always was his holding out hope that they would return. 1 Kings 8:35. when the heavens are shut up and there is no rain because they have sinned against you and they pray toward this place, talking about the construction of the temple, when they pray towards this place and confess your name and turn from their sin when you afflict them, then hear in heaven and forgive the sin of your servants and of your people Israel. Indeed, teach them the good way in which they should walk And send rain on your land, which you have given your people for an inheritance. I want you to turn to chapter 18 of 1 Kings, all the way down to verse 41. I'll tell you what happens in between here. You can read it on your own. After God had provided for Elijah in some pretty amazing ways by ravens and then by a widow and multiplying the food that was there, After the confrontation with the prophets of Baal where Elijah called down fire from heaven and the people saw that and they fell down and they said, Yahweh is God, Yahweh is God, Baal's a false god and all the false prophets are slaughtered and the death penalty is given to them and they're butchered down by the creek and it runs red with blood. It's interesting, at that point in time, Elijah probably could have gathered all the people to follow him and kill the king and take control politically if he had wanted to. But he doesn't. This evil king who had an evil wife, worse, Jezebel, he actually says things that are going to benefit this man and his kingdom because he at least humbled himself a little bit here. And even Ahab throughout this long day, this long ordeal, evidently had totally immersed himself in the outcome of this contest between the prophets of Baal and Elijah. It looks like he had not eaten at all. When you come to chapter 18 and verse 41, it says... Now Elijah said to the king, to King Ahab, go up, eat and drink, for there is the sound of the roar of a heavy shower. I'm like, wow, it was already happening. No. Then it says, so Ahab went up to eat and drink. So I guess he hadn't been eating. He's told, go celebrate three and a half years of a drought. Can you imagine a land three and a half years with no rain? No. Did you know what that would do to a land? I mean, it'd be Devastated. Now they're going to go celebrate. Why? Elijah said, The rain is coming. Look, the man just called down fire from heaven. If he says the rain is coming, the rain's coming. Go celebrate. It was a statement of faith on the part of Elijah, as we're going to see. He says he heard the sound of the roar of a heavy shower. There's a shower. There's not even one cloud in the sky at this point in time. That's very easy for me to go outside. I got weather apps, I got Doppler. I got all kinds of things, you know, you can hear the thunder off. You're like, oh, it's going to rain. What kind of a predict is that? It's nothing. The sky is still blue. And he says he hears the sound of a heavy roar. Clearly, Elijah expected it to rain, to rain very hard. Look at verse 42 of chapter 18. It says, but Elijah went up to the top of Carmel. You know what that is, Mount Carmel. It overlooks the Mediterranean Sea. And he crouched down on the earth and put his face between his knees. A humble, earnest prayer. So Ahab goes off to eat. Elijah, a man of God, he has to still go to work. And he goes to work, and this time his work is the work of what? Prayer. The work of prayer. Brothers, there's a work of prayer that's needed. Why? Because prayer accomplishes much. You know, you go to work, and some days you have a good day at work, right? You say, hey, I got a lot done today. But many days are sort of like, well, I got a lot done, but I left a lot undone. And it's sort of that feeling, you know. And other days, you're like, I didn't get anything done at work today. It was a mess. Prayer is work. And you can accomplish much through prayer. Even when you can't get a lot done, there's no one you're trying to contact. They're not getting back with you, you know. You can't find the files that you need. I don't know what kind of job you have. You know what I'm trying to say. The Traffic is bad. Stuff's just not working. Someone didn't come into work, and so you can't have the meeting that you wanted to have, etc., 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 right? But something can always happen when you're praying, if your heart's right. It accomplishes much. So he ascends to near the peak of Mount Carmel. He has a good view of the Mediterranean Sea, and he's praying in his crouched position. The words are not expressed, but it must have gone something like, Now, Lord, now that the people have turned back to you, please send the rain. A very specific petition, a very bold petition. James writes that Elijah was a man with a nature just like ours. You know why he wrote that? Because when we read about someone like Elijah and we read about his prayers, we go, oh, well, that's really cool. Look what God does. He answers the prayers of people like Moses and Elijah, but not me. I could never pray something like that. It's really cool to read about the heroes in the Bible, but they're different. No, they're not. No, they're not. Scratch out that excuse. It won't work for you. Sorry, it doesn't work for me either. Elijah was a man with a nature just like ours. Homor ha pathes, like nature or like passions. What does that mean? Elijah was born in sin like all the rest of us were? Elijah was mortal like all the rest of us? Elijah descended from Adam like all the rest of us or descended from Adam and Eve? He's exactly like us. There's nothing different about him. You cut him, he bleeds. He's tempted by doubt. You know, Elijah at one point in time, even after this, wanted God to take his life. He was so depressed, he thought, I don't want to live anymore. He's a guy to struggle with the same things we struggle with. He got afraid. So that's why our prayers can be like it. The way he prayed, we can pray. You have to believe that. The hand of God that moved in response to Elijah's petitions is the same hand of God that moves in response to our petitions. You need faith. Elijah's not in another category. God still hears his children. Listen to 1 John 5, 14. This is the confidence which we have before God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And Then he goes on and says, if we know that he hears us, we know that we have what? The requests which we've asked. If he's paying attention to us, then it's good. We've got it. If we can get his ear, we're okay and he's going to give us his ear. First Peter 3:12, for the eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous and his ears attend to their prayers. Well, God is ready to attend to your prayers. His ears are bending low to hear. He wants you to pray. Learning to pray like Elijah might take some time. It's going to take some dedication for sure, but you and I can learn it. What must we learn? First of all, effective prayer must flow from an obedient life. Back in chapter 17 and verse 5, it says that Elijah went out and did according to the word of the Lord. Don't think lightly of those words. He went out and did what God told him to do. When God tells you to do something in the Bible, you go do that. Then you pray. God will answer your prayer. He's also just finished laying his life on the line for the Lord. If fire had not fallen from heaven, guess what? Elijah would have been toast. His life would have been over. He laid it all on the line. Some of you don't have answered prayer. Let's just be blunt, because you're disobedient to God. You want to live the way you want to live, then you want to do a little bit of prayer, and then God doesn't answer, and you say, see, it doesn't work for me. Of course it doesn't work for you. You're being disobedient. Well, but I did this and that. No, I'm talking about your heart. really just wants to live the way you want to live. you got your life. It's your It's my life. I'm going to live it the way I want to live it. All right, then you're being disobedient. You have to yield to Christ's lordship. Repent. God will listen. Proverbs 28.9, he who turns away his ear from listening to the law of God, even his prayer is an abomination to God. If he gives you his word and you treat it like, ah, uh, ho-hum, and then you go pray, he's not going to listen to you. 1 Peter 3.7 says, husbands, you know why your prayers aren't answered? You're treating your wife crummy. That's my loose translation. You're treating your wife crummy. How do you treat your wife crummy? Yell at her, don't do things for her, expect her to work and you don't work. She used to clean, you don't clean talk to her rudely. You mean that's going to affect my prayer life? Yep, that's what it says. James 4.3, we read this earlier. You ask and you don't receive because you ask with wrong motives. You want to spend whatever God gives you on your pleasures. God, give me so I can have my fun, my joy. Of course, if that's the way it worked, everyone would be a Christian in a church, right? Goodness gracious. They'll be banging the doors down to get in here, right? Yeah, pray. Oh, there's another pot of gold. Look at that. Just keep praying there. Third row, I know it's coming to you. Things would start, oh, that would be easy to have faith like that, wouldn't it? And we would never know whether we love the money or we love God. That's why he doesn't do it that way. First, obey him. Do what you know you're supposed to do. Get started with what you know you're supposed to do. Get started right there. The thing you don't want to do right now, that thing that's in your conscience, get started with that. And God will listen to you. It's what it says. Whatever we ask, we receive from God because we keep his commandments and do the things that are pleasing in his sight. 1 John 3, 22. Pretty simple. What else am I to learn to pray effectively like Elijah? Well, you must make sure that your prayer conforms to the word and the will of God. To grow in prayer, you must grow in your understanding of the word of God, the Bible. E.M. Bounds in his complete works on prayer and had a tremendous prayer life. An example of an American prayer warrior, he wrote this, doing God's will, And having his word abiding in us is an imperative of effectual praying. But, it may be asked, how are we to know what God's will is? The answer is, by studying his word, by hiding it in our hearts, and by letting the word dwell richly. To know God's will in prayer, we must be filled with God's spirit, who makes intercession for the saints. And in the saints, according to the will of God, to be filled with God's spirit, to be filled with God's word, is to know God's will. He goes on. Prayer draws its very life from the Bible and has no standing ground outside of the warrant of scriptures. Its very existence and character is dependent on revelation and turns men toward that word. The nature, necessity, and all comprehending character of prayer is based on the word of God. 1 John 5, this is the confidence we have before him. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, we know that we have whatever we have asked. Another feature to Elijah's prayer that we can learn from is that he was earnest in prayer. Elijah's prayers came in the heat of conflict, in the heat of battle, and in the agony of struggle. Elijah's prayers dealt with real eternal consequences for the people of Israel. Prayer is cast in the midst of real life, life that feels stunning pain, life that sometimes has inexpressible joy, certainly has exciting anticipation. In the midst of real life, real life heat, a prayer gets warmed up and then it rises up to the Lord. James wrote that Elijah prayed earnestly that it would not rain. In other words, his prayer was not casual. By the way, God, if you could stop the rain, that would be really cool. No, his prayer requests were with feeling. All of his being was invested into his prayer. Sometimes, by the way, the position that we are in in prayer indicates whether we're earnest or not. You know, we're sitting on the sofa, we're sort of, or our favorite chair at home, we're sort of sinking in, we're like, it's time for me to have my prayer time. Okay, what do we have here? Oh, Lord, um, would you, where's the earnestness in that? How about get up, get that on your face, get on your knees, change your habit, go walk outside briskly and go pray. Even our body position tells us whether or not we're earnest about our requests or not. Hannah prayed with great need when she pleaded for a son before God and said she'd give him back to the Lord. She got what she asked. I mentioned Jacob who wrestled with God all night. He got his blessing. Paul said he interceded day and night for the churches. I doubt he did that casually. Sometimes our prayers lack heat. They have no heartbeat in them. They're flatlined prayers, you know? They're gone. They're not even dead on arrival in heaven. They're dead on departure from here. They sound like when you pray them that you could take it or leave it if he answers. Nah, let's put the quarter in and see what happens. Who knows? Maybe God will answer it. But if he doesn't, ah, it was just a quarter. Abraham Lincoln is quoted as saying, I have been driven many times to my knees by the overwhelming conviction that I had nowhere else to go. My own wisdom and that of all about me seemed insufficient for the day. That's when real praying starts. Are you earnest about it? praying for the vindication of God's glory, praying for guidance, praying for provision, spreading the gospel in these last days, getting sound doctrine out there, supporting more missionaries, having purity and power in our own church, people working together, earnestness, people, earnestness. That's the life of prayer. Not flowery prayers, not carnal shouting. Amen, praise God, praise Jesus, amen. That could just be a show. You don't need a great vocabulary. You don't need a bunch of religious expressions. Just be earnest about what you're asking. The one thing you have to have is a great heart filled with faith in God's work. Another lesson from Elijah's praying is perseverance. Elijah's servant was told to go back seven times and look as he prayed. First time he came down, he said, what do you see? I said, I see a little cloud like the size of a hand or something way off in the distance. Elijah was excited about that. This servant had to go back seven times. I think I might have prayed, and what do you see? Is there anything coming over the ocean? Yeah, it's like one cloud. Oh, sucks, it didn't work. Go back again. Maybe he comes back the third time. I'm like, I'm done. I've got to plan my exit strategy. How are we going to get out of here without getting killed? Elijah sends him back seven times. Keep it up. Unfortunately, there are many people who start with their prayer. They ask, but they don't keep asking. They seek, but they don't keep seeking. They knock, but they don't keep knocking. And so their prayer request fizzles out in the pond of complacency or disbelief. People who are impatient make poor prayer warriors. They start something quickly. They also end it quickly. They never receive anything. They never find anything. They never have any door open to them because they stop. It's too much work. It's too much clinging to God. You have better things to do, right? There's too little dividends. You just seem to be wasting that 30 minutes in the morning when you could be doing something else. But with perseverance, the answer came. It says in verse 44, it came about at the seventh time that he said, behold, a cloud as small as a man's hand is coming up from the sea. That's all he got after the seventh time. So all he has is the promise of scripture, the way God has worked in his life before, and one puny cloud. Again, I say most of us would have quit See, prayer, if it's going to be answered, has to be filled with faith. Sometimes we ask and we realize we don't really have a lot of faith in what we're asking, and so we give up. What is faith? Faith is believing what is normal and expected. True? Faith is believing what would be reasonable under most circumstances. Faith is believing what's not seen, what doesn't look possible. That's faith. That's praying in faith. Hebrews 11.1 says, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things partially seen, not seen, not seen. Elijah prayed this request not just earnestly, but with believing expectancy. He knew the power of the living God. Prayer not filled with faith is talking to a God without understanding his power and his plan. It's praying while doubting. It's being double-minded. Elijah, again, he sees the small cloud off in the distance and it looks like a little hand. And again, I say what we might have said is something like, it was a dud. My prayer produced nothing. But he sees it and he knows that's only the beginning of a massive answer to prayer. And so he says, go up and say to Ahab, prepare your chariot and go down so that the heavy shower does not stop you. It hasn't rained In three and a half years, there's dust all over the place and he's worried about the chariot getting stuck in the mud. That's how confident he is. Tell the king to get going. It's going to rain and it's going to rain really, really hard. And look what happened, verse 45, if you're still there. In a little, while the sky grew black with clouds and wind and there was a heavy shower. Took just a little while, it says. And then that storm developed probably supernaturally over the ocean and slammed into the coast. The clouds were thick. The wind was strong. More importantly, the rain came down in torrents. And here we see what James had said. The effective prayer can accomplish much. One petitioning man, one on a mountain in the midst of a drought, and the drought has ended. How? By prayer. It works. Prayer can accomplish much. Prayer can accomplish much in our lives, too prayer that is based on the Word of God and comes from a life of obedience, is filled with confidence, perseveres, and is earnest, that kind of a prayer can accomplish much. It can build a ministry. It can save a marriage. It can solve a family problem. It can gain victory over stubborn sins. It can keep you safe in the midst of a dangerous situation. It can lead lost souls to Christ. It can start churches. It can gain more ministries and hiring of pastors it can launch a radio ministry. It can build any kind of ministry. It can open doors for missionaries. It can bring all kinds of unexpected things along. Prayer can, because God can, in the name of Jesus. So pray more. Please, pray more. Was really the only application I had for this whole series. If you don't pray more, I feel like I wasted my time. Pray more. Pray more effectively. Keep at it. See what God does with your life. See what God does with the life of your children. See what God does with the life of your friends. Pray for this church, for God to fulfill its calling, for us not to stray from that path, but just rise up and be what God wants us to be. Pray for the work of God around the world. Pray for our missionaries that they'll be faithful and strong. Pray for them. Pray earnestly. Keep God's promises in mind. God said to Israel, call to me and I will answer you. And I will tell you great and mighty things which you do not know.
0: What an inspiring message about the importance of prayer. Do you feel challenged by today's message from Pastor Tom? You heard about the incredible answer to Elijah's prayer that God provided. Remember, Elijah was a sinful human just like you. He was not extraordinary or an exception. If you live righteously and pray with earnestness and passion like Elijah did, you'll see God work powerfully in your circumstances, too. Prayer is for everyone. Prayer is for you. With sad, yet hope-filled hearts, we want to let you know that Pastor Tom Leek, the voice you've been listening to today, has gone home to be with Jesus. Pastor Tom served the Lord faithfully here on earth for 24 years, pastoring thousands and helping to create a network of like-minded churches in the Mid-Atlantic region. He shared the gospel unashamedly, shining light into this dark world. Pastor Tom will be missed, but we rejoice that he is healed and with his Savior. If you would like to learn more about Pastor Tom and his legacy, visit HopeBible.org. Now. Here's a preview of the next edition of Discover Hope. Be sure to tune in next time to Discover Hope to hear Pastor Tom teach more about the book of James. Do you know anyone who has left the church? It's so painful to see brothers and sisters leave the faith. You'll learn about why it's important to help them turn back to God. You'll hear what you can do to aid in helping those who have strayed away from the truth and find their way back. That's all the time we have for today. Thanks for tuning in for this edition of Discover Hope. You can listen to more messages from this and other books of the Bible by visiting hopebiblechurch.org and be sure to join us again right here on Discover Hope.